You are listening to The Postgrad Space with Valerie Odiambo. This is a podcast about individuals and their life after campus stories. Each episode is a journey. I hope you get to find yours too. Of all annoyances you can have, like an alarm going on too early or the crazy rush hour, which, by the way, that's the only thing I am not missing with the ongoing COVID-19 situation. Having a bad boss or a toxic boss can be the worst. Now, while bad bosses come in different flavors, it can have a negative impact on one's health. My name is Esther Mutungi, and I'm a graduate landscape architect. I graduated from Jombo Kenyatta, or rather JKUR, about uh, two years ago. And growing up, I wouldn't particularly say that this was the course I saw myself doing. I was going through a couple of compositions I used to write in primary school. And I remember I wanted to be doctor, engineer, the famous neurosurgeon. And at one point, I wrote I wanted to be a politician. And I don't know why I wrote that, but I must have had my reasons. I grew up cultivating my creative and artistic side. I was actually really book smart. You know, I'd really actually have evidence to show my kids. You know, your mother was number one. Everything, you know, this lies African parents say that all of them were number one. So you wonder who was the last one in class. I knew that in the future, you know, I'd have a prestigious career. Everything is laid down, you know, successful in class and whatnot. So it was going to be pretty straightforward. I leaned towards music and art. I did a bit of calligraphy during my spare time. And uh, going into high school, I remember my dad forbade me from studying music. thought it wasn't quite the thing to study, you know. So the next option for me was home science. Still creative. I get to do things in my hands. So done with high school, time to pick out careers. And I thought to myself, hmm, what is artistic yet can be acceptable in the eyes of an African parent? Architecture, you know, we get to design different things and parents will be proud. My daughter is an architect. But I didn't quite get the point to get into the university to study architecture. So the next best option was landscape architecture. And uh, I remember I didn't really want to pick it, but I got advice from people and my mother telling me to just pick architecture, then you know, when you get into university, there's that window you have to change your course and whatnot, you can change while there. The first week, while guys were changing, a certain Oliver Aguina approached me, he was a fifth year doing the same course, and he told me, you know what, don't you dare change because landscape architecture is going to be the next big thing. Right now we're living in a concrete jungle and the future is sustainability and what? So the future is landscape architecture. And I thought to myself, wow, I'm in a career that is the future. So studying, studying, studying. I didn't quite like it because I felt that it was a bit too rigid for my taste. In that some of the uh, things we were taught in class were not really what was applied. And I guess the rigidness of let me see, I don't know if it's Kenyans or clients, in that they perceive landscape architecture as gardening, basically gardening, but there's more to it than Mr. I. I wanted to quit. Um, quitting was not an option for my parents. You know, you have to make them proud. So I saw, let's just carry on the way. Uh, uh, normal people do, you know, just finish your course, give your parents a degree, and do your own thing. Well, there, graduated, 
with a bachelor's degree in landscape architecture. After school, I wasn't really keen on looking for a job in the STEM field. First of all, my interest kind of dwindled while finishing the course. So I thought to myself, this is not something I picture myself doing. Not that I didn't, I dislike it, but I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't find it fulfilling. So I was just sending out CVs, you know, for the sake of at the same time trying to find what trying to find what my niche is, what would fulfill my creative side, my artistic side. I I do makeup on the side. I also sing in a band. So this was some of the gigs I used to do. Just to, you know, find some spare cash to use because financial independence, we don't depend on our parents. I remember uh, sometime back in April last year, I was attending a friend's concert and she approached me asking for help. So one of my former lecturers happened to be in the audience. Being as courteous as I am, I thought, why not say hi? Hi, sir, how are you? What are you up to? I don't know. I'm just hustling here and there, you know, and looking for a job. Really? Okay, can I have your number? Okay, so I gave him my number and uh, said, fine, I'll call you. I never really thought much about it, but true to it, he called me the following week and he told me, are you free? Are you free that evening? Are you free? Can you come over? to the office and I said uh, okay something told me carry your CV so I prepared three copies of my CV and uh, fortunately uh, there's a group a whatsapp group the previous day one member had sent a link and it was talking of um, how to answer interview questions and I remember cramming them I don't know why I guess it was this godsend I go to his office and turns out it's an interview and I'm anxious sitting, waiting, reciting the answers from the interview question uh, link I saw. And I freaked out, this was my first interview ever. So they called me to the office, asked me questions, and my heart was beating, but I think I aced it. And um, yeah, they told me, go to the boardroom and we'll talk to you in five minutes. So I go to the boardroom, they consult, and in five minutes, they tell me I have the job. And here I'm thinking to myself, Okay, people attend interviews and they're told to wait, we'll call you back. But here I am in five minutes, I have a job that I did not apply for. And I thought to myself, God, you are good. So that is how I got my job. I remember the agency was was a lady who was supposed to take a maternity leave, basically to fill in for her at the time while I'm easing into the job. I think the lady... The lady that was taking me through the orientation, she warned me and I, I took it lightly because I thought, no, just keep a positive mindset, you know, you can do all things. And she told me that company X is good, but it also has its bad side, you know, and sometimes the bad sides outweigh the good. And I thought to myself, okay, this is a stranger. Why would you tell me that, you know? I'm not here to threaten you or to steal your job. <laughs> We're here to work together. And I thought nothing of it because... Um, yeah, I am. I'm on payroll, finally. Financial independence. I'm going to work like never before. Anyway, come to think of it, I never had a contract. And uh, I, was, I didn't really have a fixed job description per se. It was whatever the boss says, I was here. If there's this trajectory that people usually see, you know, you're born, cool, college, graduate, job, get married. So I knew I was on the right track in life. You know, a girl has had came together. It was surreal somehow, like, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing for life. You know, going to be waking up, going to work, come back home, being bills, you know. So I hit the ground running, literally. So I was doing administrative work, I was doing design work, I was doing maintenance work. 
but mostly on the administrative side. I was uh, CEO of PA and the link between him and the operations manager, basically as I was holding the office together. So this is your first month and you're doing administrative, you're doing designing, you're doing maintenance. How did you get that balance or was it a heck of a journey for you at first? It wasn't as hectic because I think they were also getting time to learn more. And with time, the responsibilities just increase. Mm. But this is something I was warned uh, while undergoing my orientation. Business was a family business. Most of the times, I think I got myself in in between family rango. So it was daily bickering. You had to choose which one to hear from. Do you consider that as red flags for you working in some toxic environment or were there other things that you'd consider to be toxic? At first, I didn't consider them red flags. I just thought to myself, okay, I've never been in a job market before, so I thought maybe this is what happened. But I think it got to a point, I, I came to witness uh, they were stealing money. <laughs> or rather one was stealing money from the other or from the company and and I started noticing that tell the boss that I bought such and such material. But what is on site he bought substandard material and he'd pocket the rest and he'd still claim the full amount from the company. And this would lead to clients complaining and you have to redo the work and whatnot. And I just to get the company in trouble. That was one issue, money and family wrangle. They could fire employees whenever they please, however they please, okay. and hire however they please. Like, see how fast I was employed? They could drop me as fast as that. Payments used to come late. So there's no procedure, there's no protocol that's observed. If they feel like they should fire you, as I was there, I realized there, there was a former former schoolmate of mine uh, a year ahead. And uh, I was so excited to know that, yeah, I'll be working with one of my former schoolmates. He'd taken leave before I reported. He told me that he would be back, but he never came back. Coming to ask more about the company, I found out he wasn't the only one who's ghosted the company. There's a lady who once came to the job. Three days, she was gone, she was done. Another one, one week, she was done. And I said to myself, uh, okay. But I didn't quite realize it. I said, maybe it's the preferences, or they just didn't like the company, or they got better opportunities. So with time, I, I started opening my eyes to what was happening. By the third month, I think I got overwhelmed because now the conflict was rising. First of all, my boss started realizing that he was being stolen from so whenever there's pressure it would be taken out on me whenever the ceo had pressure the pressure was on me whenever the operations manager had pressure so let me say i was the in between here i am i have deadlines to meet i'm fatigued because we don't i, I don't really have time to like rest and you know grow myself in other areas because my time is given to this company Mm. Like eighty percent of my time. Yeah. I'd literally get home on the weekend. I just I even stopped going to church and I'm a regular in church, you know, I I serve in church, but I was too tired to go mm. to church. So it was starting to take a toll on my health. And I remember 
talking to myself now. So this is the last nail in the coffin. I don't think I can <laughs> go through this. They just they just destroyed landscape architecture for me basically. It was so bad to a point I remember there was one day I literally cried <laughs> I walked into the company gate. Yeah. Pray to God asking him to just give me grace to just go through that day without pressure. Another thing, the operations manager was um low key a pervert. So he'd come asking for hugs. And I remember there was a time he came I used to be scared of him by the way. I never wanted to be in the office alone when he was around. And I remember at one point he came to my desk saying hi and then asked me for a hug and touching my hand uh, very suggestively. I remember getting so angry at that point I sent out as many CVs as I could in one minute. I think I sent out my CV 10 times to different countries. By this time, I had developed my love for events. I remember a friend of mine had um, approached me and I told him my dream is to do events. And I thought this was my place. So he called me to practice my event planning skills, mm. uh, organize his concerts, which I did during this time while I was working. And I thought to myself, this is the way to go. I'm going to go into the event industry. So I was sending out my CV to event planning companies while hoping for the best. I, I tried hinting to my parents or rather mm. my mom because we talk mostly. Like, I want to quit. She went mad, mad, sentiment crazy, you know, with the rate of unemployment in the country. You were less favor was upon you getting a job that you did not apply for and you want to quit. I mean, how ungrateful can you be? If this is what people in employment go through, and some of them have endured for 10 years, I thought to myself, Esther, no, you have to enjoy, you know. But I think the, f- the feeling that I needed to cover lies, the lies that were happening in the finances of the company, that didn't sit right with me. I thought to myself, this is not something, I have my integrity, this is not something I'd do and just sit there comfortably. I decided I'm quitting. Luckily for me, one, one of the companies had sent my CV to reply. Though it wasn't really positive, it gave me hope told me she's just starting out she's growing her business and uh, she's not she doesn't have the capacity to employ but she could be calling me she could be tagging me along for her jobs as I learned from her and I thought to myself you know what I'll take my chances this this is that crack that I need to pass through and you know just make it in the events industry I didn't mind I'd learn even if I was not getting anything, I'd learn anything to just get out of this company. Well, the hard part was leaving. Yeah, my mom is she's crazy. I remember talking to my friends from yeah. church, my close friends, trying to pick signs on what they thought of me quitting. And, and as much as many of them were saying that I should hold on, that we don't get jobs every day in Kenya, I knew deep down in my heart, I'll quit. This is not the job for me. A job that when it comes to Sunday evening, thinking of it's Monday tomorrow, I need to go to work. I felt sick. I literally used to feel sick every Sunday evening, thinking about going to work on Monday. 
And I said to myself, this is not how I want to live my life. You know something I appreciate about millennials is they won't stay in a toxic environment. <laughs> and I, I think that is something that other generations should embrace, you know. Mental health comes first. So I had to break it to my boss that I got a job offer, which was a lie. And I remember he was so shocked because he just started giving me more responsibility, sort of like a promotion of some sort. Mind you, the pay wasn't that good considering the amount of work I used to do, but still it was something better than nothing, you know. He was shocked. He really was shocked. And he actually told me he felt betrayed. And the empathy in me just wanted to say, okay, I'll stay, but no, I was done, done, dusted, done. And he tried all sorts of methods like, you know, can I, what are they paying you? What are they offering you? Girl, lie. Let's get out of here. Lie, lie and get out of this. And he, he told me, I'll, I'll give you a pay rise. I think they're paying me just the same amount like I'm getting here, but you know, it's my passion. That's what you found me doing when you offered me a job and I'd really like to pursue it. And I thought to myself, if this is how you guys treat your supposed valued employees, what of others? And I really, really pity those people that have to endure being in that company, honestly. But I am so glad that I left. And my mom was pissed. And she probably still is. Do you think you have any advice for maybe young people who are stuck in the workplace and are probably thinking that this is the only thing that I have? It doesn't matter if it's toxic or not. This is the only thing that they, they have. I, I don't really know if people have, you know, not everyone has the same capability of endurance. And there are some who come from not so well-off backgrounds and probably their families look up to them, you know, as a way out, you know, as breadwinners. And I'd say if you can enjoy that, go ahead, do you. But if it gets to a point, need I mention I collapsed in church one day and I went to, I was taken to hospital actually, and they found out there was nothing wrong with me. My organs were good, all vitals were okay. I was actually very fatigued. And I think that also made me realize I won't kill myself for a job that doesn't care for me because they're still calling me, asking me about work. This time I'm in hospital. And I thought to myself, if I drop down dead, I'll just be replaced. And I think I'm one person who values mental peace. And I, I wouldn't want to be in an environment whereby I feel that peace is disturbed. And to think it's going to be for life or until I choose to retire, I thought to myself, you know, I would advise, um, okay, probably have a plan for living. As most people would say, you know, being having that security. But if you're a risk taker and you feel, no, this is not for me, you can actually go mad saying yes. Because I think I've seen cases where people actually commit suicide, and that is not my wish for anyone. You know, God, God didn't place us on earth to suffer. You know, we all have a purpose in life, and I don't think Jesus died for us to die in our workplaces. So find your peace, find your purpose, find yourself. Find what drives you and work towards that. I think that is my take home. Most of us stay in toxic workplaces because we feel there's a need to. If I quit, you know, I'll be letting my family down. People will see me as a loser. People will regard me as a quitter. 
things that you realize the value you have. Try see how you can package that value for the betterment of society. Don't forget to subscribe to Postgrad Podcast and you can like, rate, review and share with your friends and family. You can also follow me on Instagram at Amundi Valerie. And if you have any questions or suggestions, you can also do that on my email at amondivalerie at gmail.com. Till next time, ciao.